Happy Father's Day and Happy Pride Month. Welcome to Church of the Beatitudes Worship Podcast. I remember sitting in class, well, it was a math class in college, and I was sitting there cramming. I've never been real good at math. So I was cramming to get ready, and a friend of mine comes and sits down right next to me, and he looks at me, and he says, what are you doing? And I said, well, we have a test today. And he said, oh. He said, can I look at your notes real quick? (laughs) I said, you didn't study? No. He, I mean, literally took like seven, six, seven minutes and looked at my notes. Two or three days later, when we were back in class, they hand out our exams and I looked at it and I got what I expected. I was in the B range. My friend, he got an A. I felt like a fool. I mean, here I had crammed, I had studied, I prepared, and I only got it in the Bs. And this guy takes five minutes and he gets in the A's. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I was growing up that that A meant you were intelligent. If you got good grades, you were seen as smart. You were seen as intelligent. You were seen as wise. But if you didn't do as well, if you struggled, uh, maybe not as smart. Maybe not a fool, but not as smart. Well, today we are joined again, as usual, by my co-host, Janelle Taphorn. And she's one of these, I'm certain, got like straight A's, super intelligent, <laughs> super smart. Well, guess what? What? <laughs> I was the valedictorian of my class. No way. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Okay, and that's our podcast. We're done. <laughs> Why am I even on this? You should do this all on your own, as smart as you are. Well, you'd think. Or you had less competition in your class than most. Wow. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's not true, huh? It was a smaller class, I'll say, but I worked hard for that. Yeah, well, congratulations. Thank you. And that's what actually we're going to be talking about today. Is? The wise and the foolish. Oh. Yeah. Gee. So I think I know what category <laughs> I fall in. That's what I going to say. And I think I know what category <laughs> you fall in. Well, well no, that's not true. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been a fool very, very, very often. Have you? Mm-hmm. Uh, this have morning, you, particularly. Have you played the, have you played the jester? Uh, yeah, and on, on occasion. Uh, I'm sure you did a nice job when you had to. Uh-huh, yeah. So. so, hey, happy Father's Day, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've been, uh, have two daughters in my Aww. life. So the, my parents, they actually had uh, five granddaughters okay and one grandson Mm. and i have two daughters Uh uh-huh and four grandsons okay so i i didn't get the sons but i got but i wouldn't trade my daughters in i like i was gonna say i did like raising daughters wow okay so enough of that (laughs) <laughs> what else is going on for you today? Everything good? Everything's great. Good. I had a wonderful weekend. Good. Yeah. So so what, what uh, scripture passage did you choose for us to look at today? Well, we're going to begin today. When it comes to this wise and foolish thing. Um, from uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 23. This is Paul. 
Yeah, he's he's hard to read sometimes. Yeah, well, he's very um, convicted, don't you think? So he says, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Wow, she is really smart. And I, I'm talking about Janelle, super intelligent. I've heard this statement used many times, and it usually has the same effect on me. Somehow it makes me feel like it's impressing upon me that this particular individual's mental capacity is a notch above the rest of us. And that they deserve our respect, perhaps even we should revere them. On occasions when this statement has been addressed to me about another individual, I've wondered what criteria is used to deem these persons so overly intelligent? Is it an academic degree they hold? Is it the title before or after their name? Is it a particular achievement, for example, a book that they wrote, an invention? Have they won an elected office? Is the success of their business? I often ponder, what is it that allows us to put this label on other people? But then there's been other times I've heard people slandered by the words, what a fool. And again, I have to ask myself, what criteria was used to determine that this man or woman merit, merited this derogatory distinction? Ah, the wise and the foolish. Fraternal twins in many ways. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, broaches this subject, the wise and the foolish. However, what Paul says may catch you off guard. It's sort of unexpected. He speaks of the wise in a pejorative manner. Listen again to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 18 and 19. Let no person deceive themselves. If anyone among you thinks they are wise in this age, they must become foolish, so that they may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. Now, to understand these two verses, we have to look at the larger context. And that context is found in chapters 1 through 4. And by reading those chapters, it helps us understand why Paul is so critical of the wise. 
Paul mentions four characteristics, and these four characteristics of the wise are what leads to his criticism. Number one, the wise are wealthy. They can afford, if they so choose, to be educated in philosophy, and in particular, Stoicism. There was a privilege, not, that was a privilege that was not available to women nor the middle or lower classes. Secondly, because of the learning of the wise, they considered themselves perfect. You see, the Stoic wise man was said to be perfect in judgment because of his unerring use of reason. That is, the wise man, and again, I'm using the word man because women didn't fall into that category back then. The wise man was perfect in knowledge, and right knowledge or right use of reason led to perfect virtue. Thus, as Stobaeus said, the wise man does everything well. Being number three, being perfect, the wise concluded that they were superior to others, especially the immature, the foolish. Such an attitude provoked Paul into pointing out later on in chapter 8 of this same book that knowledge makes people proud. And finally, number four, the wise in Corinth asserted that because they were wise and never erred in judgment, they possessed the power of independent action. What does that mean? Well, the wise man had autonomy of judgment, or so he thought, which no other individual could snatch away or override. This form of freedom was, in a matter of speaking, the right to live as you wished. While freedom was meant to apply to virtuous living, it's really easy to understand how the concept might have been abused and freedom actually turned into license to do whatever the wise desired. Now imagine this type of person. Imagine having to interact with such an individual on a routine basis. In particular, what if you lived with them? What if you had to work beside them or attended the same church they did? Eventually, I'm sure there would be tension and the possibility of divisiveness would rise up. And that's exactly what happened in Corinth. And that is the reason why Paul cause, calls on the wise to become fools. Now, how in the world might this shift from being wise to a fool resolve anything in particular, the division within the community of Corinth. Let me see if I can explain that to you. First, there are individuals who are the foolish wise. That is, they appear to be wise, yet there really are fools. Then there are the wise fools. These are the individuals who appear to be fools, but are actually quite wise. You see, the oxymoron wise fool is inherently reversible. For whenever it is acknowledged that the fool is wise, it also suggests expressly or tacitly 
that the wise are foolish. This is why Paul is encouraging the foolish wise, those who consider themselves to be wise, to become wise fools, that is, truly wise, yet often appearing as fools to others. And since we've already looked at the characteristics of the foolish wise, what might the traits or characteristics be of a wise fool? Well, first of all, they are humble. They don't think too highly of themselves. A perfect example of this is Socrates, who claimed that his own wisdom was derived from an awareness of his ignorance. Erasmus in 1509 wrote the book In Praise of Folly. And within this book, foolishness is personified as Lady Stultitia, who praises foolish wisdom or wise foolishness as a way to truth. Because truth, which is never simple, cannot be known by either knowledge or ignorance alone. Truth can only be known by a combination of both of these. Erasmus, in another writing, stated that folly is necessary to reach wisdom, and to be human is to play the fool. To be wise is to acknowledge this truth. The wise fool is humble, for they know what they don't know. The second trait of a wise fool is that they have the ability to adapt, to admit when they are wrong, to change their mind. They're flexible. They are open to new possibilities in the world and in themselves, no matter how young or old they might be. When I think about the wise fool, a name comes to mind, Jesus. For me, Jesus exemplified this foolish wisdom. He was a wise fool. As a child, he answered the doctors in the temple, and later he confounded the scribes and Pharisees in their own wisdom. Moreover, his teaching was seen to be childlike in its simplicity, foolish in its homespun imagery. Jesus was regarded during his lifetime as insane by his family and was deemed by his opponents as being possessed by Beelzebub. Not only was his behavior scandalous to the religious establishment, but also his teaching, his teachings from his Beatitudes to his parables, they challenged the sacred text and offended traditional wisdom. By many he was looked down upon as a simpleton, a fool. And that is what made him the perfect wise fool. Today, we are in need of wise fools, especially today. Why? Because the wise of Corinth are still walking on our streets. They are those who are certain they are right. 
They are fully convinced that their positions and ideologies are correct. And anyone, I mean anyone who disagrees with them is wrong. They're fools. Conservative or liberal, religious or atheist, it doesn't matter. The foolish wise reside on all sides. Rarely will you hear the foolish wise admit they are wrong, that they made a mistake. Rather, they'll double down. They consider themselves to be perfect and believe they have the right and freedom to do as they please. That is why right now, at this very moment, as you are listening or watching this, you and I need to stop trying to figure out in our own minds who we know that might fit into the category of the foolish wise. And instead, you need to look within and ask yourself, is it me? Am I the foolish wise one? Or are you aware of both your knowledge and your ignorance? Do you grasp the complexity of life and the world that you live in? Do you understand how challenging it is at times to know with certainty when a social issue, a political decision, or a legal verdict is just or unjust? Why? Because in all those situations, the circumstances and situations, they vary. It's not that simple. We also live in communities populated by people with diverse cultural and ethnic backgrounds. People who have different life experiences, who've had various traumatic events and have priorities and values that may be different than you and I. And that is why you and I are being called today to be wise fools. We need to be humble, flexible, less judgmental, and accept, accept the fact that to appear to play the fool is necessary in order to reach wisdom. To be human is to play the fool. And to be wise is to acknowledge this truth. Today, may we humbly accept that we are called to be wise fools.
we're going to have a little discussion yeah, about what we fool, just talked the fool about. The and the wise one. Well, you know what? I don't agree. I strive for wisdom, yes, but I am fully aware of my ignorance, <laughs> especially every Sunday morning. Oh. <laughs> my ignorance usually shows up like the week before Sunday when I realize... Uh-huh. The subject that I've chosen, I'm going to have to tackle. It, it never fails. <laughs> right? Honestly, Janelle, it never fails. And that's why it's such a privilege to do what I do for work. Why? Is because every week I learn something new. Yeah. And it's just amazing to me that it's always something. Um, it's a week filled with these aha moments. Some of them cool. not as comfortable as others. Because to learn something new is not always a pleasant experience. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. I, yeah, yeah. It, it can make you uncomfortable. Yeah, sometimes. because it, it, if you have a certain way of thinking about things, if you have a certain conclusions that you've reached in your mind, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> I'm probably wrong. So there's nothing that you walk around going, I know this. I got this. No. To be honest, no. So you are very humble in your wisdom. Um, I don't know about, I, it's like, you know, there's some people that believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Okay. Which I find really interesting because at the very end of Deuteronomy, it says that Moses was the most humble man in all the world. Mm. So if Moses wrote that, he was writing, he was the most humble man. Person in the world. So. Hmm. That's interesting. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm, if I'm, no, I don't think I'm always humble. I think I can come across probably to people, mm-hmm. uh, but that's probably my own insecurities coming across more than it is my any form of arrogance. I think sometimes when we feel insecure about ourselves, we can compensate for that and come across as knowing more than what we really are. But I think when we're rooted yeah. in a sense of self, it is out of that that we can be honest and say, yeah, I'm the fool on this one. I don't know. So what informs your decisions when you're faced with something you don't know? I think the biggest thing that I do is I I read widely. Yeah. I try to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they're learned in a particular area or if they are so-called uneducated. Mm-hmm. To me, every individual is a learning opportunity, something that I can learn from them. Cool. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, you've got glasses on. I've got contacts in. Right. If you took those off, if I took my contacts out, we would see things differently than we do without them. I would see two of you. You would see two of me. <laughs> well, then take them off. <laughs> no, it no. Would, it wouldn't be a dialogue. It would be a, a trilogy. <laughs> Not sure which one to follow. But I think what happens then is that... When we talk to other people that do not have the so-called knowledge that we have in a given area, yeah, it's they're blind. They don't have blinders. They can see things that we can't see, and right. I think that's why, to me, what what Paul was dealing with was a group of people that combined Stoicism, which was a, a, a Greek philosophy. And Christianity together. Mm-hmm. And out of that, they really got big heads. Yeah. And they thought they knew it all. And because of that, they were a pain to be around. And they ended up doing some really bizarre things, some of them very sexual in nature, as you read later on in the in First Corinthians. Really? 
yeah, based on these freedoms. They felt like they could, they were full of virtues, so they couldn't do anything wrong. And, and I, wow. think, I think we still see that today in society. There are people that basically feel like they can do no wrong. And they therefore, whatever they do, they're going to get away with. Someone will cover it up for them. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to stick up for the Stoics, though. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I didn't know much about them. I thought that being Stoic just meant emotionless. Yeah, this... Mm, right. Yeah. But they're actually kind of my new heroes. Yes. Zeno, for instance. Is this one of your cartoon figures now? No. Oh, okay. He's, he was a philosopher. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Who was the one you mentioned the other day? SpongeBob. SpongeBob. So this is our new <laughs> We have SpongeBob and now we have Zeno. You know what? SpongeBob may be a Stoic, I have to say. Oh, explain. After what I learned, <clears throat> Stoicism is a tool for self-mastery and perseverance. Yes. And for me, that resonated so much. I'm a Stoic. Yes. And I think for me personally, all philosophies have their strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Well, that's a very humble... Yeah, look at you. No, I mean, I, I think it's true. I mean, I, <laughs> But I think what's different, though, is that the, these individuals in Corinth... Yeah. One of the things that was fascinating that I didn't mention in the monologue was that... In Corinth, they had a gymnasium. Okay. And it was a place where you could exercise as well as they would have these Treadmills. public events. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just sure kidding. About treadmills. <laughs> Maybe there were rocks you walked on or something. I don't know. Toughen your feet up. Okay. But instead, I think the other thing they, they did is that there would be these philosophers that would come in and mm -hmm. then you could pay to take a class. So I think the wealthy in Corinth... Hmm. who weren't probably Jewish to begin with. Okay. They would take these classes, but then they had been exposed through Paul to some of these teachings of Jesus. Yeah. And they brought these two together. And that's what created this unique mix. Yeah. And it really created problems in divisiveness within the community. It's, it was an us and them and the us was a minority, and the them was the larger group. And that's what Paul is, okay. seems to be addressing. Now, is Paul wealthy? He came from wealth. Um, so I, I don't, he's, you know, they say he's a tent maker, so I don't know how much money you can make making tents. Um, maybe, I don't know. Huh. I mean, maybe he had some money stowed away somewhere that he could, but I don't know. He collected a lot of money. He got support from a lot of people. Right. So I, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. One. Well, that's interesting. So it was all about attitude, basically. Yeah. That's Maybe. A, that's a good point of view. I don't know. I mean, if you think you know it all. Yeah. I mean, really, that is a solid, solid point. I uh, came across a really good metaphor for the wise fool. Okay. A jester. A court oh, jester. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, jesters are actually very wise uh -huh. you know they had the freedom to be honest and to say kind of edgy things that would push the limits push the uncomfortableness maybe even jar the system and expose things mm -hmm. but they had to be really careful about how far they took the mockery of the monarchs it was like a fine line they had to to walk 
Yeah. I mean, and Shakespeare catches that perfectly in the play King Lear. <gasps> yes, I love Shakespeare. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> so they're actually very wise. And they were respected mm-hmm. by many in the community. Yes. As long as they didn't take it too far. Exactly. And then they would get their head chopped off or whatever. (laughs) I'm not sure. But I think that's, Janelle, that's a really good point you bring up with the jester. Because when you think about it, the jester is one who had the wisdom to say things that people would hear. Yeah. And and that's one of the things I I admire when I read about Jesus. Mm. In some ways, you could say he acted as the court jester. In, in a way, yeah. Because Didn't dress like one, thankfully, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think John the Baptist had that, had that one. Yeah, down. maybe he did, yeah. right? But I think what's, what's amazing to me about Jesus was that he said things yeah. that if you weren't really listening, you just kind of went whoop, right over your head. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think over and over, he who has ears, let him hear. Or his disciples afterwards would say, what in the world are you talking about? Explain this to us. Yeah. And I think he was able to say truths that people may not have been receptive to hear Mm -hmm. in a way that ended up actually making him look like a fool to some people. Right. You know, when they said, you know, if you destroy this temple in three days, and, and I'm not sure if if Jesus actually said that or if it was attributed to Jesus at a later date. But either Jesus or those people who wrote the Gospels, they understood this, and what, much like what you were saying about the court jester. Yeah. Or comedians today. Mm, they, tell me more. Well, you know, they point out <laughs> everybody's indiscretions, <laughs> some more than others. Uh-huh. I think about... Um, Trevor Noah, who and his predecessor mm. uh, John Stewart, oh yeah, um, who to me were able to use humor in such a way politically, though, yeah. like yeah, and to be able to say things that um, John Oliver is another one, yeah, that are able to say things in a humorous way to maybe somewhat take down our guard so that we can mm-hmm. listen and then go, oh yeah, huh. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> and maybe that's why, Janelle, like as you were saying, it's it's a form of attitude is that if you're not really willing to listen to other people, sometimes the message has to come across in ways that are not threatening. Right. And humor is the way to do that. Yeah. Typically. And I think one of the frustrations that I feel at times is that when it comes to the areas for example, of religion Mm -hmm. and social justice issues, there seems to be this definitive black and white. Right. You know, it's this is the truth. This is the right way to see things. This is just. This is unjust. Um, This is the truth about God. This is the truth about the Bible. And then, in turn, anything that you hear that differs from that is quickly dismissed. Mm-hmm. So, but we're all within the same system, aren't we? I mean... But it goes back to so, what you were just saying. It goes back to attitude. It goes back to attitude, and it goes back to what you're willing to see. I mean, if you walk around life and you're like this with these blinders on, you're mm-hmm. like a horse. 
one of the things that blinders can do is it keeps them from being distracted. Right. But in time, you eventually have to take those blinders off. Mm -hmm. So you can stay focused while you're still aware of what is around you. And I think that's the same thing that we need in, in our life is it doesn't mean that you don't have opinions or you don't have um, beliefs, but it means that you, instead of holding them like this with, you know, squeezing them tight, it's mm -hmm. more of this open hand posture. So that's how you manage it. Yeah. That goes back to what you were saying. I think that was so good to hear was this idea of attitude. Right. And it's this teachable spirit, this willingness to, to continue to explore and to be open to other people's ideas. And I think for me, Janelle, to be honest, one of the things that helps with that tentativeness is awareness of your own mortality. Oh, yeah, no, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. If you know that eventually you're going to die, then it kind of uh -huh. puts everything back into perspective. Perspective. And it, it's a very humbling. <laughs> I can attest to that one. <laughs> I had a very similar, I mean, I did, and 10 years ago, I was faced with my own mortality. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, it changes. It changes your perspective about everything. Yeah. There's a, there's an interesting story about uh, Roman military generals. Oh, tell me. Um, after a, mil a major military victory, okay. uh, the triumphant Roman military generals were paraded through the streets, mm -hmm. and the people were just go crazy applauding them, all that. Right. And the ceremonial procession could span the course of a day with the military leader riding around in a chariot drawn by not one, not two, but four horses. Wow. There was not a more coveted honor for a person. The general, as he went through, he was idolized. He was viewed as a divine by his troops and, and the uh, public allowed. Mm. And, but what's, here's what's interesting. That would go to your head, wouldn't it? Yes. That's why riding in the same chariot, standing just behind the worship general, mm -hmm. was a slave. Doing what? The slave's sole responsibility mm -hmm. for the entirety of the procession okay. was to continually whisper in the general's ear <laughs> these Latin words. Okay. Respis poste hominin te esse momento, momento more. I failed Latin in college, so please help me. What does that mean? He was whispering in the general's ear, look behind. Mm -hmm. Remember, you are mortal. <laughs> Remember, you must die. Wow. And the slave served to remind the victor uh -huh. at the peak of this glory that this godlike adoration would soon end while the truth of his mortality remained. Hmm. Isn't that powerful? I think we all need a slave behind us. Yeah. Whispering in our ears. More. Maybe, right? Yeah, there's actually you can get these coins that you can carry around in your pocket oh. or a or a pendant. And they have a skull. <laughs> For death. Okay. And then the words momente more on momento huh. more on it and it's it's a reminder and i think that's what keeps us humble is no matter who you are in life whatever your achievements in life are yeah valedictorian for instance yes because that went straight to my head didn't it well apparently it's still there 
Yeah, but you haven't known for two years that I was that. So let me just no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's all over your Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but I think what they were saying was this idea that we're all equal. Yeah. And and when you feel that, then there's this sense of of just a a, a gentleness in life. We all share it. Yeah, that we that we're all just doing our best. Yeah. And we can have our beliefs, we can have our ideas, mm-hmm. but just be somewhat a little bit more gentle kind. and how and kind in how we deal with other people. Exactly. And I think to me that is one of the powers of uh, the wise fool. Because to many people, they come across as maybe foolish or not necessarily educated. Right. But they really are wise because of their humility and their understanding of what it is they don't know. And that, to me, Janelle, Mm. is one of the things that we can learn from the life of Jesus. And no matter how you see Jesus, if you see him as God or if you see him as as a wise sage or whatever it is you do. Yeah. He's an example of one individual, and I'm sure there's many more that we're wise fools that we can learn from and emulate in our lives. So not only does it enhance the quality of our life now, Mm. but in turn, it enhances society. Wow, great. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. Well, Janelle, our time has come to a close. Mm-hmm. and That was fast. Yeah, it was. And look how wise we became. Or how foolish we became. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm um, going to miss you. You're going to be gone for a couple, two or three, two, three? Two Sundays. Two yes. Sundays. So Take we're going to miss you next week on A Closer Look and then the following yes. week on our uh, worship podcast. But you have some really capable people coming yeah, in. Yeah, but they're not valedictorians. So. <laughs> well, they might be. <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> they're humble enough not to have pronounced it. Yeah. Well, you deserve this break. You deserve this time to uh, Thank you. kind of refresh and renew yourself. Yeah. And so I wish you the best. I hope you have a great time and um, Thank everything you. goes well for you. And for the rest of you, thank you so much for either having watched live or listened to this at a later time. If you have any questions, any concerns, Janelle, how could they interact with us? How could they get in touch with us? What would be the easiest way as through as through email? Uh, email to media at beatitudeschurch.org. And we can uh, correspond with them that way. Thank you very much. And I want to offer you a challenge this week. This week, find someone who might be able to play for you for a couple hours or a day or two, your court jester. Keep you humble. Keep you curious. Keep you compassionate. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you in a week. Mm